Let's pray together. O God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. We ask that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to each one of us this evening. And I ask that only my words, that are of you, would live and have being in this place. Amen. If you have closed your Bible in that short time, you might like to open it again, uh, page 1173, because we're going to do a very quick whistle-stop tour of the first 13 verses. If I counted correctly, verse 13 is the fifth time that Paul uses the term in Christ in chapter 1. In verse 1, Paul writes to the faithful in Christ. In verse 3, of the spiritual blessings in Christ. Verse 9, of the mystery of his will purposed in Christ. Verse 12, of being the first to hope in Christ. And now, this evening, in verse 13, included in Christ. And again, if I've counted correctly, verse 13 is the fourth time that Paul uses the term in him, meaning Christ. Verse 4, Paul refers to being chosen in him. Verse 7, to redemption in him. Verse 11, another reference to being chosen in him. And then verse 13, where we are tonight, to being marked with a seal in him. Paul is clearly trying to say something about being in Christ. Paul is writing to the Christians, mostly Gentile Christians, in the city of Ephesus. His message is one of reconciliation, encouragement, and later on in Ephesians, instruction. Paul has outlined the blessings of being in Christ in the first 10 verses of this chapter. And he's now concerned to emphasize that these blessings, the blessings of being in Christ, are for Jews and Gentiles. In verses 11 and 12, it's we who are chosen, and it's we, the people who were the first to hope, that are for the praise of his glory. And it's likely that this we here that Paul is referring to are the Jewish believers. Verse 13 then begins with a big and ye. Who are these ye? Paul is turning his attention to the Gentile believers. They too are included in Christ. Paul is concerned with reconciling the Jewish and the Gentile believers in Christ. They are united in Christ. He encourages them and assures them of their identity in Christ. He reminds them of what they believe in, of what having faith in Christ is all about. So, what then do verses 13 to 16 tell us about a Christian's identity in Christ? Firstly, we learn that those who believe the gospel, that redemption and the forgiveness of sins come as a result of God's grace through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, Uh, verse 7, are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Those who believe the gospel are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, if you're anything like me, it's very easy to read this verse and to pay attention to the words believe and Holy Spirit. Now, perhaps this is because believe and Holy Spirit are words we're more familiar with. Or perhaps it's because we're used to seeing them together. For example, in Acts, you get quite a lot of believing and Holy Spirit in the same verse. Or perhaps it's because 
we're not really quite sure what still means. It doesn't have an obvious meaning. <coughs> but if we do this, if we ignore this bit in the middle, marked in him with a seal, then we miss the claim of this verse and its encouragement and challenge to us. I very rarely receive letters or documents appended with a wax seal. Occasionally, uh, but not that often, and I suspect it's the same for most of us. Uh, I think my last encounter with a wax seal was when I needed a new string for my cello, and I went to this very quirky music shop full of uh, people with degrees in violin making and the like, and they presented me with a watermarked envelope with a great big wax seal on the back. Now, that's not an everyday scenario. It's not part of our 21st century culture in the way that it was in centuries gone by. And perhaps it is because of this that we risk losing the impact of what's being said here about being sealed in him. A seal is a mark of ownership, a mark of authenticity. A seal identifies something as belonging to a particular individual or group of individuals. But it is more than just a mark of identification. Historically, a seal would have been affixed to, for example, uh, a document confirming property, or a document confirming land, or rights, or an office, or something like that. In the case of my string for my cello, it was the maker marking the product as the work of his hands, authenticating his product. Perhaps the nearest modern equivalent we have is our signature. We sign when we take ownership of things. We sign to authorise things. We sign to authenticate things, to confirm that something is genuine. And here in Ephesians, the seal's not wax. It's not pen on paper. It's something much greater. It's the Holy Spirit within us. The Ephesian Christians then, as we are now, are marked with the Holy Spirit. Marked with the Holy Spirit. We are claimed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit marks us out as belonging to Christ. We live in a country which places a great deal of importance on the self, on rights, on independence, on individualism. We live in a society where language of ownership, certainly as far as people are concerned, is unsettling. And in many respects, rightly so. The first thing that comes into my mind when I think of people and ownership is the slave trade. The deliberate evil and grossly unjust abuse of humanity by humanity. But, hard as it is, if we can step away from our experience of fallen and sinful humanity when we think about being claimed and owned by God, we can truly enter in to what it is to be in Christ. Not bondage, not oppression, not deprivation, not punishment. But instead, freedom, wholeness, love, grace, mercy. To be owned by God, to be claimed by God, is to enter into the ultimate sense of belonging. We were made to belong to God, and the Holy Spirit is the mark of that belonging. I suspect for most of us, to varying degrees, these words will be words of comfort and also of challenge. Let me explain. For example, uh, when I'm feeling distant or misunderstood, 
or perhaps when I've been let down or my needs are not being met, or when I'm not meeting the standards that are expected of me. There is great comfort in being claimed and owned by God, Belonging to God and not being beholden to any human being or earthly standard is reassuring. When life feels hard or out of control, I am quite happy for the Holy Spirit to take charge, to be my guide and my comforter. I'm usually quite happy to bear the mark of the Holy Spirit, to be under a higher authority. I am sure all of us who are believers can think of situations or circumstances when belonging to a higher authority And knowing the Holy Spirit is comforting and reassuring. However, there is a flip side to this. If we are honest with ourselves, we can all too easily live as though we are without the Holy Spirit. We profess to be in Christ, to be people of faith, to believe. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And yet we, all too easily and all too readily act and behave as though being sealed with the Holy Spirit is something that we opt in or opt out of. Today, yes. Tomorrow, no. We have been given the Holy Spirit as a mark of our identity in Christ. When we come to believe in Christ, we are marked with a seal, which is, as we've already seen, symbolic of ultimate belonging, of membership of the family of God. It's a source of comfort and security. However, we have a tendency to remember things when they can benefit us or when they will benefit us. Uh, But when they might not be of such great benefit, uh, if you're anything like me, we tend to forget that we bear. um, We tend to forget them. How often should we have acted on the seal of the Holy Spirit but have forgotten that we bear it? Or perhaps sometimes we even actively choose to forget that we bear the seal of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's easier to pretend that that's just not there. If we are not owned by the Holy Spirit, then we are being owned by something else. And I have an idea of a couple of the things that can own me. Being in control is a massive one for me. I like things in nice boxes. I like my apps on my phone in alphabetical order. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Enough said. For me to fully live in the truth of the gospel, as an individual sealed by the Holy Spirit, I need to relinquish control. I need to stop trying to save myself. If I do this and this and this and this, if I uh, meet this standard, if I meet this demand of me, if I do all these things. I need to stop trying to crucify and redeem myself. The work's already been done. And how often do I not do something that God is calling me to do? Because it means letting go of myself, of my plans, of my desires, of my wants. Or I do something I shouldn't do because I'm following my heart rather than God's. So control. And pride, that's another big one for me. Despite professing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, despite professing God as judge over all, I don't like failing, and I don't like falling short of worldly standards. My pride gets in the way of fully belonging to God and behaving as an individual sealed by the Holy Spirit. The temptations and challenges will be different for all of us. The things that get in the way will be different for all of us. It might be money, it might be power, it might be promotion, appearance, um, maybe the respect or regard of others, bowing to friends or family, or even to ungodly thoughts in our heads. 
it is so easy for us to be owned by something other than the Holy Spirit, other than God. And often it happens without us even realising it's happening. The seal of the Holy Spirit is a mark that we are owned by God. Let's let this be so in our lives. So, having believed we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that was promised through the prophets and given on the day of Pentecost. This significantly shapes our identity in Christ in the here and now. But there is more. There is not only a present aspect to being sealed with the Holy Spirit. There is a future dimension. In verse 14, the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. There is more to come. A deposit's a down payment. A deposit secures something. A deposit recognises ownership or belonging in the future. We place a deposit on something, a room, a venue, a piece of furniture, a holiday, uh, to reserve it, to set it aside, to mark it as being as, until, usually, we pay the full amount that's due, until it becomes more fully and completely as at a later date. It's also important to note one further thing about a deposit. A deposit is only part of the full amount. When we put a deposit on something, we are paying part of the total sum due. We're not paying a separate amount. And so it is with being sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, we are experiencing only a fraction of what we will experience when Christ comes again. Being sealed with the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of eternity with God. The Holy Spirit is given to all those who are in Christ, Jew or Gentile, to all who believe the gospel, that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Holy Spirit is a mark of our belonging to God until we experience the kingdom of God in all its fullness. It's a deposit guaranteeing that we will enter fully and completely into God's possession. We will be children of God in the kingdom of God, knowing the richness and fullness of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And those have already been uh, set out in the earlier verses of Ephesians. There is really only one appropriate response to all of this. And that is thanksgiving. The phrase, to the praise of his glory, comes up three times in this passage. Uh, In verse 6, or it comes up three times so far in chapter 1. In verse 6, he predestined us to the praise of his glorious grace. Uh, Verse 12, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And in verse 14, you also were included in Christ to the praise of his glory. All Christians, all who believe the gospel, we being the Jews, you being the Gentiles, are in Christ to the praise of God's glory. So when Paul writes in verses 15 and 16, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I think there are two particular things that we need to draw out. Firstly, we are for the praise of God's glory. The sovereign love of God that chose us, that calls us, that marks us, that died on a cross for us, demands our praise and thanksgiving. In fact, that sovereign love demands that all, our whole lives. And so without a shadow of a doubt, it demands our praise and thanksgiving. 
because we are made for the praise of God's glory, because of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, because God marks us with the seal of the Holy Spirit. For this reason, says Paul, for this reason, Paul does not stop giving thanks for the Ephesian Christians. They are in Christ, and the sovereign love of God which brought them into Christ, and which they have entered into, is something to give thanks and praise for. Secondly, and very closely related, we are to give thanks and praise for those coming to faith, for those who are in Christ. Verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, Paul does not stop giving thanks for their love for God and for other Christians. Faith in Jesus Christ is cause for thanksgiving. So often it can be very easy uh, to be focused on the hard graft of being a Christian or on the circumstances we are facing. But faith, simple faith, in and of itself, is something to give thanks for. I don't know if anyone's heard of the Sunday Assembly. Uh, It's a so-called atheist church. Go figure. It meets in Bethnal Green in North London uh, once a month on a Sunday morning to sing secular songs, hear a secular talk, and in their own words, generally celebrate the wonders of life. Its popularity is evidence that human beings, even those who would describe themselves as atheists, hunger for belonging. They hunger for an identity that lies beyond themselves. The only problem is that they're missing the vital ingredient. God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The void in us that questions, who am I and what am I made for? Can and will only truly be filled by being in Christ. We were made to be in Christ. When we believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, as Paul terms it here, we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a mark of our identity in Christ, a mark of ownership, a mark of authenticity. And more than that, it is not only a sign of our belonging to God in the present, but a deposit guaranteeing that when Christ comes again, we will enter even more fully and completely into God's possession a promise of ultimate belonging, being fully alive in Christ. What could be better than that? If you don't know that promise, then tonight I would encourage you to find out more. And if you do, then tonight be reminded afresh that the seal of the Holy Spirit is like indelible ink written on our hearts. It's a big deal. All the time. Thanks be to God. Amen.